There is such a thing as a negative connotation when you hear the word failure. With the exception of the tech industry, we're conditioned to believe that excellence is a priority. It's priority number one, as a matter of fact, for most people. But, you know, failure happens, and it's not a bad thing. People think it's a bad thing, and they like to think that if you fail at something, that you're a disgrace or even worse, that you can't even come back from it. That is, if you fail at something, you are a disgrace or worse. But it's typical for type A personalities who are used to excelling in everything they touch to put that and ingrain that into their own psyches and into that of the people that they know. But no matter who you are, inevitably you will fail at something. However, it's not the actual fail that should concern you. It's how you rebound from it and find the lessons within the failure. Ask yourself two questions. Number one, are you prepared to have a backup plan should something go wrong? You always plan. And number two, how will you take what you learn from the experience and apply it going forward? Today, my guest and I will share tips on taking that failure and channeling it towards success. Failure isn't fatal or final. Failure doesn't make you less of a businesswoman. In fact, just the opposite applies. It is only through our failures that we can learn the skills that we can have, that we need, that will change us and change our companies in pivotal moments. There's a stigma that anyone who fails at something must not be very capable, and we're here to break that stigma today. But even the most successful business people out there have experienced, experienced a failure or two or 20 even, and it set them on the path to who they are to becoming great leaders that they are today. In today's show, we're going to talk to the fabulous Angela Stalkup and break down how to turn a failure into a comeback. Let me tell you a little bit about Angela. She is an author, a speaker, a consultant, and someone I, call, I can call friend who has 20 years of experience in marketing and business strategies. Since 2008, she has focused on supporting women entrepreneurs, working with over 1,000 different women in launching and growing businesses. Hey, Angela, thanks for joining. Hey, Adrian, I'm so excited to be here, talking about one of my favorite topics, failure. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't love it? Who doesn't love it? Listen, if it doesn't build your character, then you're doing it wrong. That's the way I look at it. <laughs> So let's let's get right to it. I mean, this is something that we have talked about personally offline or about our own failures. And the one thing that really kind of re-sparked this conversation again was that fabulous article with B. Arthur. Let's talk a little bit about that. That article really caught my attention. We talked about really having the dream story, right? Mm-hmm. She has this idea. She's ahead of the curve. She's launching a tech company. That Matt, that Mel, her gift, uh, she's a therapist, a psychotherapist, a therapy with modern technology. She does everything right. She gets through the incubator. She's the accelerator. She gets the money. It's all great. And then it comes crashing down. Yeah. And so in this article, she gave one of the most transparent stories of a business fail, stripping away what I call that that uh, fail is the new sexy of Silicon Valley, which is, oh, yeah, failure is sexy and it's great and you're going to bounce back. She really talked about the the economic cost, the physical cost, the emotional cost, the, the toll that, it, that this can take, but in a, but in a very positive way. And mm-hmm. so I think that 
story a lot. We either hear the shame-based story or we don't hear the story that some people are ashamed to talk about. Right. Or hearing this, this glamour story. And this is, so this is what really caught my eye. Right. Actually, you know, and I did talk to her after that. And we had a beautiful conversation, and she, you know, for me, you know, I fail publicly. I have failed publicly in several occasions, and I'm not afraid of that. And her and I had that common bond. It's like you get put up on a pedestal, and you're supposed to be that person, that one who succeeds at everything. You're that one that you never fail at anything. People look up to you. And we shared that. Her and I shared that, and she said, you know what? I think we do ourselves, and I'm paraphrasing here. So, B, if you're listening, please forgive me. Uh, you know, she, we said if you're not failing and learning from it, then something is wrong because inevitably we're all going to fail at something. It's how you deal with it and how you rebound is how it works, how you figure out how it works out. So I'm so happy to have this conversation because there are so many women right now who are ashamed of that failure and they feel that, they are frauds if they, can, if they admit that they failed at something, and they feel like the world is, is going to come crashing down if somebody figures out that they didn't do something right. So I'm glad that we're having this conversation today, and I hope people that are listening today take a lot from it. So let's, let's start out. I want to – I had some talking points, but I want to start out with one at a time. Um, let's start with the, the most important one, that failure is not fatal or it's not as fatal as people assume it to be. Let's pick up from there. Well, I think that this is the, it goes back to this, this idea of the thing and fear of the thing. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes we sit around and we fear a thing. So I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid something terrible is going to happen. But when the thing happens, we kick into another coping mechanism. And so there is the, so I think that, that fear is not fatal. Fear is rather uh, failure is not fatal. Fear of failure can be fatal because it will stop you from doing. But I, I think I love your point about when you were the high achiever, the straight A student, the one that everybody looks at. And uh, you know, we our, our school system programs us to mm-hmm. fear failure, and that failure is fatal. Uh, what do they tell you when you start school and you do your work? You're going to fail. Mm-hmm. So we are programmed for that. Then you get in the real world, and it's like, guess what? There is no report card. There's no GPA. Nobody cares. It's about a moment-to-moment experience. And so everybody has failed. And this is, again, the social media. Everybody looks pretty and happy and whatever, right? <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of failure in anything. Even in something that would appear to be a straight-line success, mm-hmm. there's going to be ideas that fail. There's going to be campaigns that fail. There's going to be relationships that fail. And so recognizing that that's, you, know, you're, you won't die, and you don't die of shame. And you may feel like you're going to die of shame. Because I tell you, having failed, having had my own failures, there's shame around it. Even when you know, okay, yeah, this is part of it. You won't die from shame. Right. You can't hide from it. Absolutely. And, you know, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we don't want to admit the failures or we act like the failure is is the end-all, be-all. And it's, it's really hard for, like I said in the beginning, those type A personalities who are just like, oh, my God, I have to, if I don't get an A, this is not going to work. If I, this business doesn't work, I'm going to be a laughing stock. If I can't get the product off the ground, people won't believe in me. And I think that in the days of social media, like you mentioned, transparency is, is the new sexy. 
you will. And people like to see the real deal behind the brand. And if you can't be real and vulnerable and expose yourself, now I'm not saying put yourself in a power in a position of powerlessness. That's not what I'm saying for those of you who are listening. What I'm saying is the world that we live in, people want to know that they're dealing with human beings, number one. Number two, they want to know that they're dealing with people who can admit their faults and failures. We won't even get into the presidential nominee um, about that one. I'm going to leave that alone. But with social media, people buy more into brands. They buy more into the experience. It's no longer about the label. It's no longer about how pretty it is, like you said earlier. It's no longer about the, the packaging. I try to be as very, as transparent as I can on social media. There's transparency, and then there's telling too much of your business. I don't think I tell too much of my business, but, you know, I try to be as transparent about my business practices and things that I'm doing because I want to foster that trust with people and I want to build relationships. And, you know, like take this show, for instance, we're on Blog Talk Radio simultaneously Skyping, and I have my Periscope family on here watching at the same time and listening to this conversation so they can see the real person behind it. Now, whether it works or not, hey, who knows? But I try to share each step of my journey, whether I, I succeed at it or whether I fail, so that people know who's behind the brand and what it takes to get there. So that's, I think that's a very important point that, that, you, that we bring up about the failure part. Let's move on to the second thing. Every failure has a lesson that you must learn. Now, I have a friend, and this kind of, kind of goes hands in hand with, with, with spirituality. I have a friend that used to tell me, I used to complain. Yes, I used to complain and say, oh, my God, this isn't working or this isn't happening. Right. What am I, why do I keep coming back here? Why do I keep learning these same, you know, having these same experiences? And she said to me very distinctly, because you haven't learned your lesson yet. Some failures, there's a built-in lesson to it, and you have to learn the lesson behind the failure in order to move forward. So if you don't fail, you don't learn that you don't do it this way, you don't do it in this time, or you don't do it with this person or any other fill-in-the-blank scenario. Let's talk about the lessons that you need to learn from a failure. So, Angela, tell me a little bit about how you can come out of that mindset of, oh, God, I failed, to, oh, God, okay, what lessons do I need to learn from here? Yeah, I call that closing the fail gap. You know, when you have experienced a failure, either a, you know, a micro failure within your business, the failure of your business mm-hmm. on, a, on a macro level, there you've got to go through a grieving process. You're gonna, there's the shock, there's the grief. You're going to have to process that. That's really not the immediate time to start trying to figure out what lessons you learned because mm-hmm. it's, going, it's the wrong energy. But as quickly as you can, right, I feel the pain, move on. Then you want to start looking and deconstructing what are the lessons that I can learn here. And right. you make a very good point. There are, this is, failure is, a, is really a limited term to describe what can happen. There are internal failures in a business. Mm-hmm. So you can look and say, what did I, did I make bad decisions? Was strategy bad? Was marketing bad? Did I miss something? Mm-hmm. Right? Did I fail to listen to good advice? Right? Did I have a clear path in front of me? There's some business fundamentals or business fundamentals missed. A lot of times they are in business failures, including my own, because if we have a passion business, we may forget about the money. Right. But there, there can be external factors that are entirely beyond your control. Markets may change. There may be a, a collapse of the economy. There may be something that happens in your own life, a, a health crisis, a family crisis, that there wasn't a whole lot you could do about it. You just had to deal with it. The lesson of that is that life 
they're going to interfere. But I would say that probably the top lesson that you will learn is when you go back and deconstruct what happened in your business or what happened in the campaign or whatever it is, mm-hmm. is that there's going to be a moment when you had your intuitive gut feeling mm-hmm. that something was off and you did not respond. Yeah. And that, to me, is the lesson of failure, is learning to trust that instinct and to act quickly on it. Right. So that the next time, you may be able to avoid the fail by kicking into your gut. And that's what you're talking about, is that intuition of saying, yeah, this, this is not a good partnership, but it looks good on paper, but I've got a bad feeling. That feeling is, is part of the overall process. And that's the thing when you're new in business, you don't you don't have the confidence to trust it. Yeah. But I tell you, it's trustworthy. It's it's calm, it's not a panic. It's the calm thing that's like, hmm, something isn't right here. Hmm, I need to do something. And it's that that moment oftentimes that either you can uh, avert the fail or you can shorten that fail and that you like, yep, this is done, time to yeah. move on, let's cut this and cut our loss and get out. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that when you can get past the embarrassment of the failure and past the stigmas of the failures, um, you know, and it wasn't easy for me. And I say to my people on Periscope that are watching this as well, we're about to shut off Periscope so you can listen live on the radio. But when I finally got to a point where I said, you know what, this is something that I had to learn about. This is something that it, it's not going to kill me. It's not the end of me. If I can get through this and show people how I've gotten through this and help them understand how we are able to see it for what it is, take what we need. It's like advice. You take what you need, you discard the rest. Same thing with the failure. You take what you need, you discard the rest. But you don't let it paralyze you. And I think for me, once I was able to do that and differentiate the embarrassment from the lessons, I can fail like a pro. Now, listen, for those of you who are listening, it does not mean that I am saying, hey, you know, it's a, we got to be failures. We're raising a nation of failures. That is not what I'm saying. Failure is not about doing badly. It's not about making mistakes and, and, and just falling on hard times. Failure is about how you come back from it, and that's the theme. If you've been listening since the beginning of the show, that's what we're really trying to emphasize during this conversation not failure. Failure is not, not critical and it's not fatal and it's not the end all be all. So and, with, and Adrian, can I, can yeah. I just drive from a point that you're making? Yeah. To, to have a failure is not to be a failure. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the bottom line. You will have many failures. That doesn't make you a failure as a human being, a failure as a business person. And right. that's the thing we fear. Yeah. We're not really feeling we're not really fearing learning lessons. Live, go to blogtalkradio.com slash mogulchicks, that's with an X, 
and you can hear the rest of the conversation, or you can just download it on iTunes. So for those of you on Periscope, we'll see you later, but we're going to continue. Bye. <laughs> so, you know, when you, when you stress about your failures and, and others see that in you, I think that that weakens their faith in you, you know, which is why I said we're more critical than we need to be. You know, you end up making the failure worse on yourself than necessary. So talk a little bit about how you can silence that internal critic and stop thinking, you, you know, my dad used to say, you know, we make problems bigger than what they need to be. We may see something that's monumental, like this big mountain, and what it really is on the outside world is little tiny molehills. So talk a little bit about how we can differentiate that and learn to just check ourselves and not be so tense about failure. Yeah, I think that's such a good point is that, you know, it's microscope and telescope, you know, it's that we look at our, we look at all of our, uh, we look at ourselves and our experiences through the microscope, so everything is giant. Most people are looking at us and they're like, teeny, tiny, awesome, so, mm-hmm. and, the, and, and we're really not that critical to them anyway, right? Yep. So, um, I, I always say nobody's looking at you. Right. right. No, I'm thinking about you. Who's thinking about you? Who's thinking about you? However, in the era of social media, and there's some mean people out there, yeah. people might be not thinking about you. They may be talking about you. They may even be saying these things. And this is where it is an internal game. It yeah. really is about you being comfortable with you. And I think that it starts by being transparent. And maybe you have to start in a in a, in a safe space, mm-hmm. right? And talk to someone who is a trusted advisor. I always recommend having a circle of business colleagues, having a having mentors, if at all possible. Uh, being part of programs and community um, that where you can have like-minded support, having a safe space to share and process. I think that being able to process that, because having it all in your head, you know, your head can be a very dangerous place, right? It's, it's to get it out and get some feedback. Um, so that, because a lot of times, like you say, the thing that you feel like is major and massive is, is not. Mm-hmm. However, kicking back to the story about B, Arthur, um, you know, she had some bad things happen. Yeah. She, you know, she had to fire people. You know, she, she's got people she owes money to. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's in debt. She tells, she, you know, she tells that whole story. It's not, that's not fun. That's not pleasant. Right. That's, I don't think she needs to be ashamed. But these are not things that you're necessarily going to wave on a big flag and say, hey, guess what? I, you know, I rolled up the credit card debt. You know? Right. That's, so I think that, that recognizing that, it's, that it is all part of a process. And then even if you feel like you're now in the hole, right, like I've, I'm depleted financially or I'm depleted physically or I'm depleted spiritually, you can build back and recognize that it's okay to take time to do that. So, you know, I think for entrepreneurs, one of the worst things that, and, and one of the biggest shames we face is that you have to go get a day job. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, I have to get a day job. We've all been and, there. And it's true. And it's you know, and it could be, or I'm going to have to take on some corporate clients or whatever. But I always say that, think about that as you're, you're being an investor in your own business. Mm-hmm. Rather than giving, rather than going and asking somebody to give you money to whom you're beholding, you go out and you trade your hours and your time for money, right? Mm-hmm. You're your own investor. You have to, that does not make you, again, that does not mean that you're not an entrepreneur. That doesn't mean that you won't continue an entrepreneurial pursuit. But, you know, again, these things, you don't want to tell anybody, well, now I need a job. I can't go on LinkedIn because I don't want anybody to know. Yeah. No. People, again, are going to be totally understanding. We're in an environment where we cycle in and out of things. I think recognizing that, looking at the 
be miserable all the time or you can get with it, you know? And that, to me, you got two choices. And I love that you you, you, you titled this piece The Narrative of Failure. Mm-hmm. Guess what? Life is a story. What story are you going to tell? You can tell it as a tragedy. You can tell it as a hero story. You can tell it as a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Turn your tragedy, at least into a comedy, right. laugh about it, <laughs> then turn it into your hero story. You own that narrative. Nobody else does. Yeah. Absolutely, I agree. It is so funny because a lot of people, like you said, they they allow people to hijack their story. Mm-hmm. I love that choice of words, your story, because for me, and and I've shared this this story very publicly several times, and you know the story about the the magazine when I initially started to launch Empowerment Magazine, and I let other people get in my head, and. You know, today I can laugh about it because I see the future for me and I see what I'm working on now. You know what I'm working on. A lot of people don't know. But, and I look at it and I look back and I laugh. You know, it's like that was six years ago. And I kicked myself and I was so down on myself and I was like, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I even considered doing that. And they were right. And they this and they that and they this. You know what? Guess what? It's 2016. I'm still standing. I'm here. I have learned those lessons from going through that experience. I only had the magazine online for, what, four years or something like that. But the the experience that I've learned have been so invaluable. They have taught me to show me what I wanted for my next endeavor and what I didn't want. It showed me to pay attention to the technology curve. It showed me to pay attention to the changes in the publishing industry. So that was kind of my training wheel. And for a long time, I felt like that was my failure because, all right, it wasn't glossy, it wasn't a print, and, you know, all this other stuff. But I look at it now, and I'm like, the tools that it gave me, the the path that it put me on, if I can have failures like that all the time, then I'm a lucky chick because I feel so much confidence now, and I feel like the pain that I went through, it was just a birthing process. So I I try not to anymore. I try not to allow people in my mental space and make mountains out of what are supposed to be molehills. So yeah, you know, bring it on. Bring on the failure. I'm good. I'm ready. <laughs> so let's move on to the, the the second to last point of like we just said, stop letting others' opinions. Well, your fear of what others may think bother you. I mean, we pretty much summarized that, and we don't, you know, if you want to add some closing remarks to that statement, we can, or we could just move on to the final point. If yeah, you I, I, think, I think we've covered it. The, the, the thing is, is that you want, again, every, almost everything, you mm-hmm. know, think of it as goalposts, right? There's mm-hmm. two sides of it, right? You, you can't let people's opinions control you, but you should listen to the side, yep. right? And, and then at the end of the day, here you are, I'm in the middle. I decide is that it's just going or is there good advice? You can do both. But at the end of the day, you don't let people get in your head. You listen to good advice, but then it becomes you and you have to yep. that Absolutely. Absolutely. So I am going to take this last one. We're gonna we're gonna talk about this right now. Um, the chat room is open for those of you who are listening live. If you have a question, um, and I just posted that on Twitter as well, the chat room is open. So if you have a question or a comment, feel free to join our chat room. The link is on Twitter right now, or if you're on the computer, blogtalkradio.com/slash/mobilechicks, and you can just click on the chat room that's open live now. But the final talking point that we wanted to kind of address, and, and this is something that 
if, if you have not been writing notes until now, please pause, get a pen and a paper, because this is going to give you like a summary of what you need to do to stop letting failure ruin your mood, your day, your life, all of that. Challenge yourself to dissect the failure and then find at least three ways to apply the lessons you've learned to doing something successfully the next time. So give me three three ways that people can apply those lessons, Angela. Well, in, 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 the, first, in the first point, you really do need to be able to have an attached view of your business mm-hmm. as you're going through and critiquing it. Mm-hmm. So it's so everything, you know, step back. We're talking a lot about perspective, you know, close perspective, near perspective. You know, take a step back when you're looking at your business. And if you can stop thinking about it emotionally and say, okay, imagine that I'm critiquing this business for somebody else. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to a friend of mine and I'm looking at their business and their experience. What would I tell them? That can help you take a step back. That's going to help you start to get a perspective on what possibly went wrong. Right. That, that's number one. Number two, I would say, you know, if, again, if you can bring in somebody that you trust and listen to their opinion, again, the, the autopsy, right? Mm-hmm. Bring in I like that, the autopsy. And, you know, and, and as you're doing the autopsy, and, and recognize, again, that, you know, think about, you know, I'm a big fan of TV and, you know, detective shows, and the coroner's always, you know, they, they look at dead bodies and they're not flinching. You're mm-hmm. going to flinch at your dead body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to flinch that he can help you with that critique. And then I think to, to your point, saying, I'm learning lessons that I'm going to apply to something else, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I'm going to go back to my mind, I should have, should have, should have, should have, could have, would have. I wish I, no, this is not a backward looking exercise. This is a forward thinking exercise. Mm-hmm. If this were to happen again, how might I do it differently? And, very, and you may very well look and say, there's a gap in my knowledge, there's a gap in network and start working on that now right. before, wow, I really did not understand cash flow, right? Well, why don't you spend some time learning about cash flow right? And start the same thing, right? Or, you know, spend some time and do the prep work ahead of time so you're not falling out of it. Right. Or come to Mogul Chicks and join and you'll learn how to do your cash flow. But I think that's good. Mogul Chicks will hook you up. <laughs> Okay, point number two. Tip number two. Uh, so, uh, so tip number two, I would say, yeah, you would you need to think about how your story can help somebody else. A lot of times, particularly as women, we are we are more attuned to other people, and so I think that when you look at what B did, mm-hmm. right? She took her story, she claimed it. Yeah. I'm going to share this. So other people can benefit from it. So if you can start thinking about, hmm, is there someone else who can benefit? I think that will also help you to sort of to get in there and deconstruct it. Again, what advice now would I give now that I've had this? And in fact, you can now claim an expertise. Right? Yep. I'm an expert in this because I know what doesn't work. Yep. And knowing what doesn't work is as important as knowing what does work. So right. how can I then again thinking in this terms of is there somebody else I can help with this? Right. And tip number three? is I want to go back to this idea of own your story and own your narrative. You are the hero of your story. Mm-hmm. Write your story down. And, you know, and just what you were talking about there, when you're in your story, right, 
and it and and everything. Think about a movie. Watch a movie mm-hmm. and plan your business out like it's a movie. There's always in the end of the second act, right? It looks like all is lost, right? Mm-hmm. That's the hero's journey. There's always a point where it looks like somebody's died or it's going to fail. Nothing's going to. It's not going to work. And then something happens, mm-hmm. and and all of this is transformed, and the hero comes into their power, and ta-da! Happy ending, right? The crescendo. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? So what is that expression? It, 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 all, it all works out in the end, so if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so recognize that you may think you're at the end, but you're probably just at a climactic point in your narrative. Mm-hmm. And you get to control your story and how you tell that story, first to yourself, primarily to yourself, and then secondarily to the world. So when you're in that, you know, in that moment when when it appears that all is lost, remember that's just plot in a greater story. Mm-hmm. It's going to be your life. I'm not just talking about your business life. It's going to be your full life. And so, yes, this is a sad moment. But can you start to craft the story of how you move beyond that into the next piece of your hero's journey? And I mean, it sounds a little I don't know. It's not woo woo. Maybe it sounds dying and creative, whatever. But I tell you, there's something in writing out a story about yourself where yeah. you and cast the roles, right? What is your role? Who are the players in your story? Who are, who are the support people? Who is, your, who is your band of brothers? Who is your Sex in the City sisters, right? Mm-hmm. Who are those people? Write that story. And it can, it, it, it's got, it, it, yes, it will get in your head and will help you move past the negative pieces of it. Right. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I'll just share my top three tips for listeners, and, you know, Angela has really succinctly broken it down, so, I mean, I really don't have to go any further with it, but I'll add my three, too. Mine may be a little bit uh, brash and vulgar, so I apologize, and I warn you in advance, everybody. (laughs) First one is, you know, don't give away your power with the failure, because when you put yourself at a, at a moment of weakness and a position of weakness that you can't do something or you can't succeed at something or that you'll never overcome something, that's how people are going to view you. So you can never, ever give away your power when you experience a failure. As Angela said, as she mentioned about B. Arthur, and we're not talking about B. Arthur, the Golden Girls. I should have said no, that yeah, earlier. That's true. We should have mentioned that. <laughs> should have said that earlier. B. Arthur. And I will have in the show notes, if you go to the blog later on at mobilechicks.com slash blog, you'll see the the recap of today's show, uh, and the audio will be up there later as well. B. Arthur is a startup founder, and she publicly on Forbes talked about her failure. She she documented her failure in, in her business, and she's taken some time to kind of recreate herself and reinvent herself and learn the lessons from burning out too fast. You know, she was like, she soared really high, burnt out and fizzled down. But now that's not the end of her act. So that was, that's my first, my first uh, tip. And, and that one comes directly from watching the author's story and also my own. Tip number two, chuck it and put it in the F it bucket. I'm not going to say the yeah. full F word, okay? Because <laughs> I don't want to. I know, I know many of you will be cheering me because you know me, you know I'm brash, and I say what I say, and I speak from the heart, but I don't want to offend some of my new listeners, but chuck it and put it in the effort bucket, and y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not the end of the world. When you, when you get to the point where it doesn't phase you anymore, and by that I don't mean 
that you're hardened by failure or you just don't care about it. What I mean by that is when you are secure and comfortable in yourself and you know that, okay, this means not this way, not right now, not with this person, it's not my time. When you're okay with that and you're comfortable and you can say, okay, whoever, whatever spiritual being that you, you follow for me is the Lord, I sit back and I say, God, listen, I know there's a lesson in here somewhere that I'm supposed to learn. Just give me the strength to understand the lesson and open my mind and give me clarity so that I can learn from it. So that's what I mean when I say chuck it and throw it in the effort bucket because it's not going to kill you, you know, well, unless you do something illegal or you know, we're not going to get into that, but you know what I mean. And then tip number three is look to, and, and this is kind of echoing off of Angela's tip as well, you know, look to put a voice to your story. You know, if anybody can go, you guys see they drag people, like look at the whole Taylor Swift thing, and I'm not into Taylor Swift and, Swift and Kanye and Kim and all, I, I don't care, really. But I look at the business lessons behind it. And people are so quick to drag you over a misstep. It's human nature. People are messy. They like gossip. But when you own that narrative and you get out in front of the misstep, when you get in front of the failure, listen, I effed up. I'm sorry, this is what happened. When you can own that, there's a level of transparency and a level of respect that people will have for you. You will always have hecklers. You will always have naysayers. You will always have shit talkers, excuse my language. But you have to be able to get out in front of that and not take it personal. When you are a public person, when you're a public figure, and, and I'm not on that level with those people yet, like Kim and all of that, but I am a public person, and I've learned to kind of toughen my skin. Those failures don't bother me. It's like haters, haters, I hate the word haters. Y'all know how I feel about those, those terms. But haters are going to hate. It's up to you. Are you going to learn the lessons? Are you going to let them stop you from moving forward? No. Keep it moving. So those are my lessons that I wanted to share with you guys, my tips, I mean, that I wanted to share with you guys. But it's hard to believe that this time is almost up. Angela, thank you so much. I know. We can have this conversation forever. But, you guys, please make sure you check out Angela online. You can check her out at AngelaStallCup.com. That's A-N-G-E-L-A-S-T-A-L-C-U-P.com. She is also on LinkedIn under Angela StallCup, and you can meet her, see her on Twitter under Angela StallCup and catch her on Facebook as well. She's all across the web. Uh, make sure you reach out to her, hashtag MogulChicksChat. Let her know what you thought of the interview, and if you have any questions, don't pick her brain. Y'all know how I feel about that. <laughs> Got a plug there. But please do share share your fail stories with me. I love I love to engage you on those conversations. Yes, share your failure stories. Don't be afraid of the failure. Embrace the failure. Kick failure's butt and keep it moving. That's what y'all need to do. But definitely check out Angela. Um, again, AngelaStallCup.com at AngelaStallCup on Twitter, and she's AngelaStallCup across the web. I before I go, I want to kind of. Um, share with you guys something, some things that are in the news. And Angela, if you want to stay on and, and kind of chime in on some of these stories, it's, it's perfect. Uh, the first thing is I got a notice in my Twitter, uh, Reebok has partnered with Ronda Rousey. You guys know Ultimate Fighting Champion Ronda Rousey, uh, who got infamously knocked out her first loss. Um, we're not going to talk about that because I know it, it, it is what it is. People have differing opinions. But she's kicked off this campaign called Perfect Never. 
And I thought that that was so divinely timed that it came to me because it, it kind of fits into the failure. And she was talking about how social media and the media and the public in general sets these perceptions and limitations on her through those mediums, and it causes her, well, used to cause her to feel like she had to be perfect and she couldn't fail. And I think she had her come to Jesus moment when she lost that first fight, and the failure taught her lessons, lessons in humility. And it taught, taught her a big lesson that you're not perfect all the time. So I think that it's perfect timing that Reebok and, and Rhonda partnered for the, per it's hashtag perfect never. So look that up on Twitter, you guys. What do you think about that, Angela? I think that's great. And, I, you know, I think, again, it's a great opportunity about reclaiming uh, reclaiming failure because she wasn't, you know, they were gunning for her. She was, you know, she wasn't supposed to lose. She had an attitude. She did get knocked down. Yeah. But um, look at how you can, look at how you can reframe that mm -hmm. and turn that into something that is, that is a success. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, I think that's, very powerful. Right. I mean, if we want to be technical about it, look at Mike Tyson. No no shade to Mike Tyson. Same yeah. thing happened to him. So we yeah. all fall down, but it's how and, you get back up that matters. And everybody said, oh, Ronda Rousey, now she's lost, she's ruined. She's not ruined. She's going to be fine. Right. So, you know, you're going to be fine, too. You're not ruined. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. The next thing is, Lord, help me give me strength. For those of you who have known me for any length of time, you know I have a son, a 25-year-old son, and he used to be obsessed with Pokemon. And listen, he's still into Pokemon at 25. He's actually more geeked up about it now than what he was before. But Pokemon Go, Amazon Dash, and, you know, there's, there's an article about Pokemon Go, Amazon Dash, and the future of user interaction. And I think that aside from my annoyance with this stuff with, you know, Pokemon, it teaches a valuable lesson about how to take today's platforms and stay with the digital times and give customers and users what they want and what they need. And it is just incredible, as much as I don't care to understand it, it's incredible how Pokemon has just lit up and reinvigorated and on this new platform. And my son, he said something the other day that made me laugh a little. He said, you know, the kids today don't know the struggle. He said, we had to play with cards. We had to use Nintendo where we didn't, if we were in the car, yeah, if we were in the car, we'd have to hold it up to the back so that you could see the light from the car behind us so we could see on the Nintendo. These kids got smartphones. And I said, you know what, boy, whatever. But the point is, I share with that with, with the listeners, is that you've got to look at, you know, it ain't over. It wasn't over for Pokemon. We thought it was done 10 years ago. But look how they came back. Not only did they came back, they came back and got a $181 million investment to build this platform. And they have put Pokemon back on the map. And Amazon Dash is doing the same thing with their new Dash service. And talk a little bit. We have about five minutes left. But give your, your, your assessment, Angela, about the future of how users are interacting and how social and, and technology and mobile and all of that is making companies step up their game. Yeah, I think that Pokemon Go uh, is just, I came out of nowhere and it's blown everybody away. And, you know, people like us who think we're in the know on things, you know, mm -hmm. not that I'm necessarily going to be in the know on uh, video games, but mm -hmm. sort of the next social trend. And uh, so I think that such a great example of, of saying, okay, here was, a, here was something that was popular, right? There was something about it that it for made it popular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it died out and had its life, it died out. And to take and reimagine it yeah. using technology. 
technology. And so social platforms, I'm so excited. I mean, this is where I get geeky and excited. Mm -hmm. I get so excited about the potential of these kinds of tools that we're using right here. Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to have, um, have these social networks and have more real interactions. I mean, like Pokemon figured out how to get you had to get grown-ups, not just kids, out of the house, yeah. right? And moving around. I mean, this is it's, it's startling because they were able to apply this concept called gamification, right, mm -hmm. where you turn something into a game mm -hmm. with a social element, right? And so, and using all these tools, and so now one of the big things they talk about with Pokemon Go is that people are out there meeting new people, and yeah. suddenly they're they're having face-to-face -face interaction. So we have. We have new ways to use old things. And so to me, this Pokemon Go is like multiple layers of using new things, using old things in new ways. Pokemon agent in the world of in, in technology was able to be repurposed. But what they did is they took a very new technology, augmented reality, and went and reimagined how people might interact and what now has become an established sort of platform, video games, social media. They're like, can we get them out? Can we get people? I think brands are going to do that. You can do that with your own business. Is there a tech, is there a technology application that might totally reframe what you're doing and re-energize your business? I mean, it's exciting. I think it's really exciting. And it's open to everybody. Yes. Everybody has access. Yes, absolutely. Well, that wraps it up. You guys, thank you for tuning in. And I will have show notes and some other little tidbits up there and contact information for Angela up on the website. Go to mobilechicks.com slash blog, and you will be able to see that later this afternoon. Mm -hmm.